In this podcast, we're going to discuss the definition of deadly force, the legal definition. In Wisconsin statutes and similar throughout the United States, the definition of deadly force is the intentional use of a firearm or other instrument, the use of which would result in a high probability of death. So we're going to break down this legal definition, explain what it means, and give you a clear concept of exactly what is deadly force under the law. We need to know what deadly force is under the law so that we can determine when there is a deadly force threat against us and what it is when we employ deadly force in self-defense against that threat. The first part of the definition, it says the intentional use of a firearm. This is exclusively mentioning a firearm because a firearm can never be used in a non-deadly force manner. An object such as a, a baton or nightstick, for instance, in the police field, could be used as deadly force if you struck someone at the head, and it could be non-deadly force if you struck somebody in the hip. The firearm, you cannot say, is not deadly force if you shoot them in the hip, and it is deadly force if you shoot them in the chest or the head. The firearm is always deadly force, period. So whenever we fire that weapon, we have to be justified in using full deadly force. Now the next part of the definition says, or any instrument, so it can be any instrument, it could be a car, If you're going to strike somebody with a vehicle, that would be deadly force. Because anything that results in a high probability of causing death to someone by your action with that instrument would be deadly force. And the last part of the definition is the result is that you're putting their life at a high probability risk of death. High probability is a legal terminology that means a high probability. Uh, There's certain things that you can do that would cause a high probability of death, such as firing a firearm at somebody, using a knife, um, a, a tire iron or a crowbar, and striking them in the head or the neck. Those are likely to result in the high probability risk of death. So they would fall under the classification of deadly force. Anytime we use a amount of force against somebody in self-defense that could result in a high probability risk of death, we are considered using deadly force. We are only allowed to legally use deadly force when there is an imminent jeopardy of death or great bodily harm to oneself or another person or persons. So it is very restrictive of when can I legally use deadly force in self-defense. I always want to be justified because if you're not justified when you use the deadly force and the person does not survive, you can be looking at a charge of homicide. Homicide is excusable under the law if it's justified in the course of self-defense. And there's five elements in the self-defense law that we are going to have to make sure that are met in order to result in a justification for that use of force. 
and we'll discuss these in more detail when we get out of this podcast and go from the definition of deadly force to what justifies the use of deadly force. The five elements to introduce you to them are going to be innocence, imminence, avoidance, proportionality, and reasonableness. We have to make sure that we adhere to those five standards in order to make our situation come out as justifiable so that it is not criminal. And I will discuss those in more detail in our next podcast, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone realizes exactly what is deadly force, what is a deadly threat, um, and we're on the same objective definition of what this is and what it means because it's going to be an important to building our foundation of understanding deadly force, justification, and self-defense as we get further and further into this podcast. I hope this clears this up. Um, There's a lot of myths out there that some people think that the person has to uh, be deceased as a result in order for that level of force to be considered deadly force, and that is not true. You only had to have put their life at a high probability risk of death. Even if they survive, you still will be needing the justification level for proper deadly force in order for it to have a favorable outcome for you. Um, If not, then we're going to have all kinds of legal problems and issues, and you can find yourself on the wrong side of the law, um, and you may be guilty of, like I said, manslaughter, homicide, or murder. So my purpose here is to give us a good understanding of what deadly force is and when it can be used um, to keep you safe and legally justified in the world of concealed carry and self-defense. I hope you enjoyed this first introductory podcast. I will be providing much more information um, from the viewpoint of a retired police officer and firearms instructor. And I'll try to um, provide this to you in layperson's terms using general concepts. And we'll use a lot of examples. And I want to remind everybody, as a final reminder of this first podcast, is that when you have a concealed carry permit, this does not exempt you from going on airlines uh, with a firearm. We just had a case here in Milwaukee at the Mitchell International Airport yesterday, which was January 21st, where a person was going through the security line and TSA discovered they had a loaded pistol in there coat pocket. Um, Obviously, this person ended up being detained. The gun was seized. He missed his flight, and he had to go through a very, very thorough investigation. It was determined that there was no terroristic intent or malicious intent, and it was honest oversight. But um, just as a reminder to everybody, we have to be very, very cognizant of our firearms. The, the ultimate excuse this guy had was that he always carries this pistol in a different coat, and he switched coats today when he was leaving to get on the uh, airline, and he thought that the pistol was still in the other coat. But that begs me to the question of why are you having a loaded firearm that is not secured 
in a coat um, where it could be accessible to somebody else and it's not under this guy's control and um, supervision at that moment. Um, when the gun is not in your possession, it's best practice to have it unloaded and secured with a trigger lock or a gun lock of some fashion because you're still responsible as the owner of that firearm if it ends up getting used and someone gets hurt or killed as a result of that use when you weren't there to properly supervise and control the firearm. Anytime I have a loaded firearm, that firearm is on me and is within my control and possession at all times. If there's a point where it is not going to be under uh, my supervision and control for me being responsible, then I make sure that that gun is locked up and it's unloaded and not usable at that moment while I'm not in control of it. So I think that's a good practice for everybody to follow. I want to see everyone to stay safe and stay out of, tr- out of uh, legal problems. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. We'll be getting a lot of uh, examples and stories, and I'll get more into the elements of justification and uh, cover some basic tactical principles for con- carry conceal level. I'm not going to make anybody a SWAT or tactical team member off of the podcast, but at least give you some basic foundational principles that will uh, help keep you safe out there. Thanks. Uh, Have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast.